Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Mr. James Johnson, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire of USA Today. Jay, this was a really, really exciting episode, as I'm sure our listeners can see right there in the title. We had the privilege of speaking with NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport, and we'll get to that interview here in just a moment. Before we do that, though, Jay, weekly check, man. How is everything going at home, and how are you holding up again with isolation? Of course, you know, you're used to being being home all the time, but how's the family? Are you doing okay? I like how you threw the subliminal in there. Yeah, you're you're used to being home all by yourself. You're a loner anyway. <laughs> right? That is factual. That is factual. But yeah, uh, everybody's doing good in the family. We're just trying to lay low again, you know. Unfortunately, Doherty County and Albany is they have the highest cases in Georgia right now in terms of coronavirus. So just uh, keep the city of Albany in your prayers, and I mean the. The nation in general, not just Albany, the nation, the state, the world in your prayers as uh, we try and get through all of this, which we will, you know, in due time. Uh, but, yeah, I'm doing good hanging in here, man. Can't complain. Uh, excited about the interview that we just had with Ian Rappaport. I think that's our fourth one with him uh, who's been dealing with us since like we were basically independent. So, you know, that's a guy that has really. Uh, reached out and helped us on many occasions, man. And even back in the IES days with Inside Edge Sports. So shout outs to him. I guess we can officially say, you know, friend of the podcast, as you used to say uh, in our our old podcast, we can officially make that a thing now. And um, yeah, I can't wait for people to hear that. And I can't wait to talk some football, man. Yeah, like you said, Jay, Ian has been kind of, you know, coming on with us now for the last few years. And it's really just a testament for him to, you know, set aside his time because obviously he's a very busy person and it's really nice for him to set aside that time for us, especially in a time where things are crazy. You know, he has a family just as we do. And, you know, he's got things going on uh, in his life as well as we all do dealing with, you know, a, a really, really interesting time in our, not only our nation, but in our world's history. So we will get to that interview here in just a moment. Uh, Before we do that though, if you enjoy, if you are enjoying this show, you guys, please go on to, apple podcast and leave us a five-star review as well as a comment because we love reading those comments shout out to everybody who has left us a review thus far it means so much we're also available on all your favorite podcasting websites and that includes apple podcast spotify google play stitcher luminary and tune in and of course you can find us at our home which is believe.com and at believe podcast and uh, last but not least if you are interested in advertising for the show we are still looking for a sponsor so please contact believe at believe.com or either jay and i directly you can find me at phil the filipino f-i-l-i-p-i-n-o or jay at sports grind underscore dawn so with that being said guys without further ado we are going to get into our interview with nfl insider ian rapport All right, folks, and thanks again for joining us on the Believe in the Jaguars podcast. And we have our very special guest on, of course, Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Rapsheet. And, of course, make sure you check out his podcast, Rapsheet and Friends. You can find that on Apple Podcasts. And, Ian, again, thanks for joining us so much. We'll get right to it and, uh, to, our, and to our questions. So this postseason, Shad Khan made it pretty apparent that 2019 was unacceptable 
as far as the team's performance. He made his dissatisfaction pretty clear, which made fans start to speculate that Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone have have to have a pretty decent season in 2020 to stick around. However, it does pretty much seem that we are in a rebuilding year. So despite Shad Khan coming out and you know voicing his displeasure, do you think that Doug and Dave are at least safe through 2021? Uh, I, I would, I would not necessarily describe this as a rebuilding year, honestly. And I know like some of the moves kind of sort of point you toward that. Um, but to me, it's more, you know, kind of repurposing money, you know, because, um, I know the Jaguars traded, you know, Calais Campbell and that was, you know, a big move, but I kind of viewed that more as kind of salary reallocation rather than rebuilding. In other words, you sure. traded his big salary, you get another draft pick, uh, which is good. And then, you know, you spend uh, $10 million a year plus on Joe Schobert. You know, I mean, there was, and there's other moves that, you know, that the Jags did in free agency where, you know, had they uh, kept Calais, had they kept A.J. Boye, they might not have been able to do. You know, tight end was a, you know, obviously a problem spot last year. Tyler Eifert costs, uh, I think, I think it's four and a half million dollars per year. You know, that money kind of needed to come from somewhere and they were up against it with the cap, you know, uh, Marcel Darius, another one where I think just the money was just too much. So, um, I actually, you know, and, and then of course, you know, Nick Foles, that was really more about Minshew than anything else. So to me, you know, I've never viewed it as a rebuilding year because there's still a lot of core talent. Uh, it was just taking money that was in one place and using it for another place. Right. Yeah, right. there's a lot of good points there, Ian. And, and Jay, you and I have actually talked about, you know, with the right moves, you know, in the draft and also, you know, free agency, this can be a pretty, pretty quick turnaround. And you just alluded to it there a little bit, Ian. So I think Jay, Jay has the next question here about the about quarterbacks specifically. Yeah, we're currently in free agency, although a bulk of the key moves have been made in terms of starters and, and whatnot, uh, maybe a team or two can pluck maybe another starter or two off the market in the coming days. But uh, the the big talk about free agency is Cam Newton and Jameis Winston, who are currently free agents and probably shouldn't be. Odds makers in Vegas are extremely high on either one of those players uh, landing with the Jags. That being said, have the Jags had interest in either of those uh, players to your knowledge? And where do you think they end up when it's all said and done? Yeah, I mean, I have not heard of the Jaguars' interest in, in either of those players. Um, you know, I think with, with Jameis, it's a little different because, you know, I think he probably knows that his best starting opportunity is with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. they got a guy named Tom Brady. He's pretty good. So, um, you know, that I think that ship has probably sailed there. Um, so he's, you know, obviously looking like, um, you know, he's obviously looking as a backup right now. I just haven't got the sense it's with the Jacksonville Jaguars at all. I and mean, then I think with Cam Newton, you know, he wants to he wants a starting job or to compete for a starting job. So where actually would that be? You know, I don't get the sense that it'd be Jacksonville either. The quarterback that I would see with Jacksonville would be Andy Dalton, but only if he's free. You know, like that would be that would be the one where I would sort of like if he got released by the Bengals and I haven't gotten the sense that he is going to get released by the Bengals, at least not anytime soon. You know, if he got released by the Bengals, I would imagine the Jaguars would have some interest in him as a backup to kind of, you know, push and help Gardner Minshew and the salary would have to be right and all that. But I just, 
you know, that would be the one I would sort of keep an eye on rather than the other two you mentioned. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and I, I've always thought the same. Um, a lot of people have speculated they would trade for Dalton, but I didn't see that happening, especially with what it would cost. So, yeah, you're right. If he's a free agent, uh, a free agent, I could see that because of the Jay Gruden connection. So uh, I guess, uh, Phil, you got the next question. Yeah, and you know, st- we'll stick on on quarterbacks here because we did we did kind of mention it there a little bit as well. It, it does seem that they are committed to Gardner Minshew in 2020. Jay and I have talked about we think that's the right move for the fan base for sure. Um, but there is also talk and a lot of mock drafts recently that have had us taking Justin Herbert or even Jordan Love. Do you really think that either one of those quarterbacks could be at play, or do you think maybe they should just commit to Minshew and, and kind of see how this thing goes? Well, I would. To me, you know, I would never, I would never go against picking a quarterback. Like if where the Jaguars are, one of the top quarterbacks came there, and they have him, you know, rated highly enough to where, you know, they believe that he is a franchise starter. To me, picking a quarterback is never bad, right? And I know it's a year where, you know, there's a lot of pressure on, on, you know, everyone in the building. I mean, there's that's always the case. Very few teams can just be like, all right, we're good. You know, we can kind of do whatever this year because we'll be back next year. I mean, I think maybe there's five teams like that in the NFL. There's not a lot. So uh, there's always pressure. But I would say if they have at their, you know, fall in their lap a franchise quarterback, they probably should take it because even if Minshew holds them out and beats them out, you know, holds them off and beats them out, you know, they could probably get a first-round pick or more down the line for something like that. So – you know, if they believe that it's a high enough value, they should probably take him. Um, I would just say for the Jaguars where they are, it's not something they need. You know, like I think we saw enough of Minshew last year that if the talent gets better overall around him, they could, uh, you know, they could they could have a very successful year. You know, I would say probably tackle would be one of those spots. Um you know, there's corner maybe. I mean, there's going to be some places they could address in the draft, but I'm not sure quarterback is the biggest need of all the needs they have right now. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And uh, I know that, uh, Jay, our next uh, next question here is, uh, again, pertaining to uh, to the draft. Right, right. And for those of you just tuning in or skip through the podcast, we have on Ian Rappaport from NFL Network Insider. Uh, you can follow him at Rap Sheet on Twitter, and you can also check out his podcast, Rap Sheet and Friends, uh, as he's joined by Mike Garofolo and Tom Pelissero on occasions there. So, yeah, my question, like uh, Phil said, is on the draft. Uh, continuing on that subject, uh, we spoke of trading up in the first round, uh, and we basically don't believe that that would be for a quarterback me and field on at least from what we posted on Jags wire but there are some elite defenders like you said that the Jags could use uh Isaiah Simmons um Jeff Okuda Derek Brown uh, those are some guys that they may be interested in because they do have this thing about building in the trenches in Brown's case and then you know they could replace Jalen Ramsey with Jeff Okuda and Simmons is just a beast uh, so all of that said, uh, do you see the Jaguars trading up? Maybe not so much more for a quarterback, but more so for a defender. And also, like, are there any teams that you've heard that are, like, willing to trade back that maybe the Jaguars can talk about coming up with? Yeah, I mean, I think the Lions are probably the team where everyone kind of, you know, knows that for the right price they would trade back. And that's, you know, pretty much a staple of Bob Quinn as a general manager of the Lions is, 
he is open for business. You know, he's never met a trade he wouldn't consider. Um, you know, certainly is, is someone who would be willing to get creative and make a deal. And, um, you know, Lions would be an interesting spot. Um, I'd be curious about, you know, the Dolphins. They have so many picks. But, you know, does, if the right quarterback is not there, do they trade back and just continue to collect and build? That would be another team. Um, I, I'm not so sure the Jaguars would trade up for defense. Um, you know, so often, I mean, trading up in the top 10 is hard enough. But if it's for a quarterback, it can make sense. If it's not, then it's like, you know, is that is that value really good enough to where we have to do it? You know, like, let's say you're at 17 and, you know, it's coming to you, it's coming to you, and you have only one player you would possibly take at 17. Then it probably makes sense to trade up and just go get your guy. You know, if you're in the top 10, does it really make sense to leapfrog a spot or two for a guy you have to have? Like, I'm not – just saying historically, uh, that hasn't happened very often. Right, right. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And like you said, yeah, I, I me personally, I've been banging a drum for a quarterback too. So if Tua begins to fall, and I don't think that will happen, to be honest with you, but if he starts to fall – and the Jaguars think of him highly enough. I don't see the problem with getting him and letting him battle with Minshew. I don't know if that's their mindset. Uh, we, I guess time will tell on that because, like you said, there's always this thing like where basically front offices uh, feel like this is the end for them, basically, or every year could be the end for them. So I guess time will tell on that situation. But the next question, we're going to flip over to uh, Phil and it's about a, a current member of the Jaguars front office or their team that is uh, very disgruntled at the moment. Yeah, just got a couple more here. So uh, earlier today, your uh, your comrade Mike. I'm going to go ahead and guess what this one is about. <laughs> yeah, you probably got a good idea of, of I where we're I heading. Have, I think I have a somewhat good idea, but go ahead, I'll guess it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's weird that you can have that kind of <laughs> kind of foresight, but yeah. Um, so of course, uh, Mike Garofalo talked a little bit about uh, earlier today um, that multiple teams have expressed interest in pass rusher uh, Yannick Ngakwe. Um, you just had on your most recent podcast, you had Calais Campbell and AJ Boye, and I think AJ Boye specifically talked about specifically, you know just how different things and how fast things have changed here in, in Jacksonville. So, you know, with all that going on, you know, we've speculated here at the Jaguars wire and on believe in the Jags that maybe the Seahawks might be involved or even maybe Philadelphia. Have you heard of any teams that might be interested or any others that maybe we're not even think of, we're not even thinking of that may come into the picture? Um, I think the, the main thing you gotta do is look around in free agency and say, who didn't pick up the edge rusher that they want? Cause that's kind of what, these trades have become, I mean, that was the case with, you know, Frank Clark um, last year going from Seattle to the Chiefs. I mean, it was draft week. It was either Tuesday or Wednesday of draft week. Um, and, you know, it was a last ditch effort. Like, all right, let's, you know, let's get this done to eliminate a hole before the draft. And um, that's what the Chiefs did. They ended up winning the Super Bowl. And I think Frank Clark probably helped on that. Um, so it's really just whoever didn't sign an edge rusher. I mean, I think for Seattle, the question I would need to know is, do they re-sign Jadevian Clowney? Because if they do, then I don't see a, a Yannick and Dockway trade. If they don't, right. then potentially that opens the door. I do know there's some interest. I do know teams have been calling the Jaguars. He is a 
a great asset for Jacksonville. You know, I think if they if they just could do whatever they wanted, whatever it is, I think they would have them play for him this year, play for them this year. He is a great player. You know, if it's just on the tag, that's what he plays on. I think that would be okay for them. Um, the other thing I'll say, you know, I, and, and I don't know what what's going to end up happening. Um, you know, if Jacksonville, you know, if he plays on the tag this year, then the experience is okay. And he decides he wants to re-sign. And then there's, you know, I've seen situations where, you know, players have called teams a lot of things and ended up back there. Um, maybe this is a little different, but, you know, I would think if Jacksonville had their choice, they'd have him play for them this season. Yeah, I think Jay, you and I have pretty much stood back on if if he can if we can find a way to keep him around, we'd like to do that. Um, just with anything that you know, I, just... I, I would say the other thing is not to interrupt. The other thing is Jackson's got a lot of picks. Like at some point, how many picks do you need? You know, like how many <laughs> all of them? I guess I don't know <laughs> how many are going to how many going to make their team. You know, like that's I mean they got they got a lot of picks. And at some point, you know, you might start trading into the future because, like, are all these guys going to actually come to camp and make your team? I don't know. And that's, and that's why for Jacksonville, like, do they need another, you know, high-profile pick? Like, maybe they would just like the player rather than a pick, you know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Kind of like they're trying to fill out a roster on Madden or something like that. I don't know what right. just keep trying to acquire more and more picks. That's a really, a really, really good point. But uh, but yeah, uh, Jay and I know we have our, our last question. We're gonna bring it over to you. Yep. So we got our last question here, uh, and it's more so concerned about the front office personnel again. I'm gonna go back to that because I've always been curious about this. Basically, the NFLPA called him out uh, last year, or uh, they called him out uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, for their, you know, instances with uh, Tom Coughlin and so on and so forth. So they called him out saying that teams or players basically uh, should rethink going there if they're going to sign there. Uh, do you think that will hurt the Jags' ability to bring in mm-hmm. veterans uh, going into the future? And not just veterans, but rookies mm-hmm. as well in terms of like a prime example for me is like Isaiah Simmons who – it has the re- same representation as Jalen Ramsey, who, you know, David Mulligetta, his agent, didn't really have the, you know, didn't have the nicest things to say about the Jaguars. So do you think that that instance with the NFLPA hurt the Jags in terms of their ability to bring in uh, players in the future, whether it be veterans or rookies? No, and I think that's mostly over. You know, that was more of a Tom Coughlin thing than than anything else. You know, like I don't, like, I don't think Dave Caldwell represents a lot of those things that were in the complaints and in the frustration from the players from the NFLPA from from everyone. You know, I think that's that's something that when they fired Coughlin, probably went out the door. And uh, I think a lot of things, atmosphere-wise, probably went out the door when they when they fired Tom Coughlin. You know, so um, and as far as you know, as far as David Mulgetta goes, you know, he's a really good agent. Um, he represents a lot of players, a lot of really good players. Uh, and he represents a lot of individuals. And I don't, I don't think he would say, well, the Jaguars wasn't good for one player. It's not going to be good for any of my players. You know, players are, players are themselves and they're individuals. And, and I imagine he takes everyone uh, kind of as they, as they feel and as they believe and as what's best for them first. 
wholeheartedly agree. Me and Phil have, have actually kind of stressed that message, uh, kind of echoing what you said. And that's the fact that from what we gather, and you kind of said this too, it seems like agents like Dave Caldwell. And, you know, while people thought he might have issues bringing in the big names, I mean, they got Joe Schobert, you know, to a, a, a very uh, pricey deal, if you will. And who knows, down the future, he making snag some other people so yeah we just wanted to hear from you on that matter because it's just something that uh the fans and our readers really uh ask about right. and, and we see often so uh that being said Ian, man we'll wrap this up man that was it pretty much so um we appreciate you coming on once again ladies and gentlemen that was ian rapaport from nfl network insider you can feel free to follow him on twitter at rap sheet is where you can follow him and once again his podcast, which can be found on any outlet, pretty much Rap Sheet and Friends, where he typically has on Mike Garofolo and Tom Pelissero to talk the latest in football. Yep. And I just have a non football related question. Uh, so, Ian, I believe I've, I've seen you. I've seen you post about the uh, about the musical Hamilton before. Right. You've seen it a few times. I've seen it three times, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so the reason I bring that up is because. When every, all of this started, the NBA, you know, shut down and everything, well, Jacksonville or Hamilton was coming to Jacksonville, and I was set to see it oh. the week after. So <laughs> now that's on hold again. So I just, whenever I get a chance oh. to talk to a Hamilton fan, I always bring it up. But, uh, you know, obviously we know, I know why, and I understand, and I'm excited to finally see it when it does happen. But, uh, yeah, it was it was our week, and we, we missed it by that uh, <laughs> I I hope I hope that it does come back. I would say this. You know, for everyone sort of has those things, you know, you, you look forward to and all that. Hamilton was one of the rare things in life. It was literally better than I anticipated. I mean, yeah. and even seeing it for a second or third time, like it was every possible thing that, you know, I could have hoped for. So it was, I, I hope for you, you do get to see it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's, that's what I've heard. It's just finally getting in, you know, quote, the room where it happens is, is all, is everything that uh, everyone said it is. So, well, Ian, we'll, we'll let you go. Thank you so much for your time. And like, again, like you said, uh, hope your family is good during this quarantine. Hopefully everybody is okay. And uh, we'll see you on the other side and, and get through this. All right. Well, thank you. I, I, good talking to you guys. I wish you guys a lot of uh, luck and a lot of help as well. Thanks, Ian. We appreciate it. You take care. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that as much as we enjoy speaking with Ian. Uh, the most important thing that I got out of there, Jay, was that uh, I can I am still very, very excited to see Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I see. I haven't really got into the whole Hamilton phase. I know you've been trying to get me into it, but I, I guess I'll, I'll get into it eventually. I've just been kind of busy. But uh, yeah, man, it, it's good to see you hit it off with somebody about Hamilton uh, beside trying to explain it to me because, I, you know, you kind of lose me with those conversations. Yes, that is. Uh, you can speak with anybody. You can speak with our buddy Josh, uh, who, who Jay also has a, po- has a podcast with. I've, I've tried to force Hamilton on on him as well as everybody else in my life. So it was great to talk to Ian, even if it's just for a split second about Hamilton. But moving on with this week's episode, you guys, we're going to talk about some other things. Uh, the, the first one that came up here this past week is that, of course, the, the Jaguars have signed uh, former Cincinnati Bengals tight end Tyler Eifert. Now, Jay, this is a guy who, of course, I think has a lot to prove. 
And, you know, I'm not sure why we didn't kind of piece this together with Jay Gruden here. I don't know. I think it now the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, that's kind of obvious. But he comes to us on a very team friendly deal. Two years, $9.5 million, 3.25 guaranteed with a $2.25 million signing bonus. Um, Looks like uh, 1 million of it in salary is going to be guaranteed with an option year, which will uh, which will be exercised before the 22nd day prior to the first day of 2021's league year. I know there is a lot that went on in there, but (laughs) those are the numbers here, guys. So, Jay, now I think Doug Marone has already come out and stated that tight end is still a position they they feel they need to fill in a position of need. Uh, So I don't think they're done. Um, But Tyler Eifert, I mean, like I said, coming in and even Ian pointed this out, coming in on a pretty team friendly deal and a little bit of a prove it deal. What do you think they get out of Tyler when it's all said and done? Yeah, I think they get a person that, again, going back to the connection with Jay Gruden, which I think we kind of mentioned it beforehand, but not really got, we didn't get too deep into it. But I think he brings somebody that is familiar with the system and with the way the deal is set up. It's it's more so a a thing where it's he's kind of like you said you you put it perfectly. He's on a prove it deal, and if he proves to be uh, his best, which we saw in 2015, and actually we saw him look very good in in 2014 or 2013, whenever it was his rookie season. That was his only season under Jake Rutten. Those were his two best seasons, arguably was this, his first season and then 2015 when Jay Gruden had been on to the uh, Washington Redskins to become their head coach. So, yeah, it's, you know, it doesn't hurt the Jaguars a lot. It's a deal that if he proves himself, they have the option. It's an option in it for the next year to pick up. So it's kind of like that Austin Safarian Jenkins deal, uh, which he signed a couple years ago. And as we saw, that didn't really pan out. So the Jaguars just didn't pick up the option saved themselves a lot of money and the dead cap was minimal. So he's a guy that especially I think what really intrigues me about Eifert is that he can help coach up Josh Oliver, who obviously the Jags see as their future. And then you got James O'Shaughnessy coming back, albeit from an ACL tear. Uh, You got him coming back. So those are two veteran savvy guys that could help out Josh Oliver. And together as a trio, I think if they can stay healthy or predominantly healthy, or at least two of the three can stay predominantly healthy. I think the Jaguars tight end group could be one of the more underrated groups when we look back at it in in 2020. So uh, I think it really helps Gardner Minshew from that perspective. And um, I think um, I I like the sign and I definitely uh, can't complain with it in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And you know, it remains to be seen how many games we will get, we will get out of him because of course he does have an injury history, but you know, you look at a lot of teams and it is preferable to have two guys that are reliable at the tight end position. So I think if you come out of this thing with Tyler Eifert and Josh Oliver being those two guys, then great. Uh, if not, you know, as I mentioned, uh, Coach Marone has already come on and said, you know, they may still target a guy later on in the draft. So I'm 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 down with it. I'm, I'm OK with it. And like especially when the numbers came out um, even more so OK with it. So. We will just wait and see. Uh, But we are now returning to our positional overview for the team. We have covered the quarterbacks as well as the running backs and then took a little bit of a break. Of course, there has been a lot going on between free agency and the draft. But we are going to get back to it here this week, uh, Jay, and talk about wide receivers. So that will be the next group that we are going to get into. Of course, you know, we're pretty familiar with the guys that we have on the team now. DJ Chark had a Pro Bowl year 
and really, really came into his own with the help of Keenan McCardell and really just kind of being that guy for Gardner Minshew. D.D. Westbrook, I think, was the guy we expected it to be. And he hasn't necessarily, I think disappointing is too harsh of a word to tag on to D.D. Westbrook. I think we just expected a lot more. Chris Conley had some flashes after being a free agent signing from last year. Uh, Keelan Cole came, really came on strong, I think, towards the end of the year. And I'm ex- uh, you know interested to see what he's able to do moving forward. I'm still a fan of his, but of course the drops have just plagued him. Uh, believe it or not, Marquise Lee is still on the team. <laughs> uh, that's a name that we have talked about uh, here a couple of times, actually, as far as a name that we expect to see released to free up some more cap space. And then a guy in CJ Board, who I was a big fan of during the uh, during the preseason and a guy that he was, I think, moved up to the main roster later on in the year, but didn't really get to see too much action when it was all said and done. I know there's a couple more names here that I'm missing, Jay, but of course, that's our our main group of receivers. Who do you you know, I, I think we, of course, would really like to see DJ continue to grow and get better in this offense. But out of those other names that I mentioned, you know, uh, and we'll get to the draft here in just a moment. But out of the names that we just mentioned, you know, who do you expect to really take another or a a progressive step next year? So, yeah, when you look at the group that uh, we have currently uh, right now, I guess I'll go through my rankings, how I got them in terms of if they took the field today, which is that's something I kind of mentioned often on Jags Wire, because we can only go by what they have. And we kind of can't project what they'll necessarily do in the draft, although we could speculate. But I have, of course, DJ Chark who could take another step uh, and, and flourish very much so under Keenan McCardell in his second year. As we said, his rookie year was very unimpressive. And then, you know, you could argue that the next year he was arguably the most improved player in football. So without a shadow of a doubt, the clear cut number one, you could probably argue that they need another number two to put with him, which we'll get into. But Chris Conley would be number two for me on this team because of the veteran savviness. Uh, if he can avoid the drops, you know, he's a guy that is a respectable receiver. I think he had upwards of like 700 yards or something last year. Could have had more probably, uh, but he's a guy nonetheless that the Jaguars kept. Um, I think they had an option on his contract, if I'm not mistaken. They exercised that option, which all of us expected them to do. And then for me, again, going to the draft, they obviously probably are going to take, in my opinion, a receiver in the top three rounds. And I think part of the reason they're going to do that is to put D.D. Westbrook in the slot, who is the guy that I'm going to talk about next. D.D., you, you you hit the nail on the head. I'm guilty of calling his season disappointing last year. But the fact of the matter is he spent some time on the outside when D.D. Westbrook is more suited to be a slight guy you go back to year before last that's when he really had success I think he had five touchdowns and all of the touchdowns came from the slot so he's a guy that you know that they need to get back in that spot predominantly and I think Jay Gruden could do some good things with him there as well so I I think that'll be a key Marquise Lee is a guy that I think either the Jacks are waiting to trade if they can even trade him I don't know if that would be possible with his injury history and his contract or uh, they're waiting before the draft to maybe part ways with. But, I mean, seemingly, I, I probably would have did it if it was possible before uh, free agency. That way he can kind of find a team easier than he would now. 
Uh, but nonetheless, he's a guy that, if we're being honest, I don't think he'll be on the roster on the opening day, in my opinion. And then just to kind of, I'll put all of these guys in a, a group together, the the guys after that. You got Michael Walker, who spent some time on the team last year, played some special teams. Terry Godwin is one to watch out for from um, Georgia. Of course, I would know about him from UGA. He's a guy that I, I was kind of joking on Twitter with when they resigned him this week or last week it was saying that he could be the Jazz number six. But then again, I kind of wasn't joking. Like Godwin is a receiver that Keenan McCardell could really work with and and bring the tools out of. And I could see him being the number six guy, maybe uh, taking that spot that CJ Board had going into the regular season or, or what have you. Uh, and then you got uh, guys like I think it's uh, Jason Stanley and Sharon Peak. Uh, maybe some guys that probably will end up on practice squad uh, if they show up in the preseason. So that's how I, I rank the current group of receivers. And uh, that's how I see them if they were to take the field today. It's funny when you mention these names and it just makes me really, really sad about Alan Lazard. You know what I mean? Like I think, I think they kind of knew or at least had a little bit of intuition that he was going to be a good player and they tried to stash him. They tried to hide him. Um, but of course, Green Bay, our loss became Green Bay's gain. So, uh, but you know, you, you kind of teased it there a little bit, Jay. We fully expect the Jaguars to address wide receiver in the draft within the first few rounds. And I was listening to Todd McShay on ESPN here today, Jay, and he said this might be the most, the, the deepest draft he has seen in years. And he fully expects, I think he said, 21 receivers to be taken within the first three rounds, which is just absolutely nuts. But when you look at some of the names that are in this draft, then it's really not that surprising. I know that at number nine, we do expect them to take, you know, one of those defensive guys. We kind of, you know, we've already talked about who we hope is there. And I, I think at nine, that probably rules out either a CD lamb or Jerry Judy, because I don't believe there's any chance that either one of them are there at 20. So that brings us into the next tier of receivers you know, uh, I think Henry Ruggs is going to be long gone. Uh, T. Higgins, I think, will be gone at 20 as well. So that brings us to guys like Justin Jefferson, uh, LaVisca Chenault, Denzel Mims, Brandon Ayuk, guys like that. So just looking at those top prospects, I mean, do you think maybe C.D. or Jerry Judy could be in play at number nine? Or do you think it's really something we'll more so address either at 20 or in rounds two or three? Oh, yeah, I absolutely believe that uh... – the Jaguars do at least have, you know, Lamb, uh, Ruggs, and Judy on the table for the number nine pick. Uh, but my argument has always been that Dave Caldwell has done good with drafting receivers outside of the top 10 selections or outside of the first round for that matter. And this class would allow him to do that. That doesn't necessarily mean he will he will do that because, I mean, at the end of the day, adding CeeDee Lamb into this offense really helps Gardner Minshew or whoever the quarterback is. Same could be applied for Ruggs. Same could be applied for Judy. Uh, so those are guys that, look, even if Brown is on the table, um, I guess if Okuda's on the table, that's a no-brainer that it'll be Okuda. But if Brown is on the table still at nine or on the board still, uh, they still could go receiver. Don't be surprised if they do. Uh, but, yeah, that 20 spot for me now it's the one that I more more so been eyeing, like you said, in terms of taking the receiver. Really, really high on Justin Jefferson. I like him. Um, a guy that you mentioned, T. Higgins, that you said you don't think will be there at 20. 
actually, I believe T. Higgins is going to slide into the second round. And we kind of talked about that with Nick last week on the podcast. So that's a guy that I don't think the Jazz have to worry about even being a first round pick uh, because of, you know, he's one of those guys that times better on the field as opposed to uh, under the lights, 40s and all of that stuff. I think he ran at his pro day was a, a four or six something and he didn't run is 40 at the combine because of that reason, probably. Uh, so he's a guy that doesn't really necessarily test well or in terms of the eye test, in terms of doing 40s. It won't look all that spectacular, but make no mistake about it. He has some talent. Uh, like Nick said, he's kind of, he'll disappear at times, but you you put him with a guy like Keenan McCardell, and I think you could really bring his potential out. So don't be shocked if he ends up getting selected by the Jags in the, with the second-round pick if he's available at that point. And then for that 20 spot, I mean, it would take a little trading down, you know, more so along the 28 spot-ish, somewhere around there. But, you know, everybody's heard me speak on him many, many times. But Denzel Mims is my dude. That's my favorite receiver in this draft. It's probably him. And then I would say Justin Jefferson is another favorite of mine. And that's not to knock the guys atop the list that I already spoke on. But Mims is a guy that could really, really help the Jags in a lot of ways, too. And it's just, for me, his catch radius sticks out on film. And that's something that, like, you know, that will tremendously help Gardner Minshew or whoever the quarterback is behind center. And, uh, you know, he has some Allen Robinson physical traits to him. Or or not physical traits, but I'll say in terms of his skill set, it's some some similarities to Allen Robinson. Uh, from that perspective. So, yeah, when we're looking at those top two rounds, I would say just target that 20 spot or target, I think, what is it, a uh, 42 for their second round pick. Those are the two that look for T. Higgins, Justin Jefferson, and um, Denzel Mims are the guys that I'm eyeing uh, for those two selections personally. So I think what you mean to say, Jay, is that the Jaguars should draft Devin DuVernay and Colin Johnson. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, they have so many fourth round picks and that's where, well, I would say at least Colin Johnson is slotted to go. DuVernay, I have to do some more research on him and see where he's slotted. But look, dude, they got three fourth round picks. If they spend one on Colin Johnson, that's fine. Like, it will it really hurt him, you know, at that point? So, right. yeah, there there is a chance to draft Colin Johnson if they wanted to. Yeah, I remember what Ian was just saying in that interview. He's like, how many picks do you need, you know? So they, they keep loading up, and who knows what they're going to do when it comes to Yannick, whenever, when, uh, you know, once is all this thing, once this thing is all said and done. So, you know, we'll see. I would definitely, I mean, I think, if you're if you're looking from strictly a fan's point of view, if they took Jerry Judy at nine, you know people would go nuts. I, I think people would be very very happy. And then why not give, you know, Gardner Minshew? If you're going to go all in on him this year, why not give him all the weapons you possibly can? You know what I mean? I think I think you and I would agree that probably you know uh, an interior lineman or a offensive a top notch offensive lineman would be more of a need there at nine. But, you know, if you want to go the route of, you know, let's just put as many weapons around our, our young quarterback, Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb uh, or Ruggs even, I think would be very well received, you know, by the fan base. So, you know, it's, it's nice, though, that I think, as, you know, as we, we do expect DJ to continue to get better and better. And I, I got to tell you, Jay, and I don't know if you, I'm sure you feel the same way. It just feels nice to 
at least seem to finally have a true number one in DJ Shark. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree because I was the guy like banging the table for him. Even when he looked bad, I was like, people just just be patient with him. And I ain't going to front with you. I was a little concerned that he, he might not come through for me, but he did. Yeah, he came through for me. Me, you and Jacob, you know, we kind of argued, or at least me and Jacob argued about that. Like, w- would DJ Chark come through and can he be a number one? And, and he did come through and thank God he did. So, yeah, that is uh, one thing that we could smile about. You know, this team doesn't have a lot of talent, but we one thing we can say is we got a number one receiver. Um, and one thing we also could say is that we should trust Dave Caldwell to put somebody beside him. And, uh, you know, you look at what all the Jags lost in terms of veterans and, and what Dave Caldwell has been through in, in terms of recycling this thing. You know, you would definitely have to think he's probably learned from those mistakes. And if he's the guy in the future, uh, that DJ Chark is probably going to be one of the guys that he absolutely keeps around after what happened with Allen Robinson. And, and you know, they have a lot of cap space to where they can pair him with somebody and, and pay that receiver as well. So I, I like the future at that position. Yeah, well, I think we definitely expect the Jaguars to add some depth or even look for a starter again in those first few rounds with a receiver class this deep. And, uh, you know, you definitely just got to take advantage of it for sure. So another thing we will keep an eye on and what will be a very, very interesting draft process to say the least here, Jay. But, you know, that's pretty much it for for this week, you guys. Again, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, again, a big shout out to Ian Rappaport for, for lending his time to us. And I hope you guys enjoyed that interview i hope you enjoyed the interview a couple weeks ago that we had with uh with with jordan and you know we're just out here grinding to give you guys the absolute best content that we possibly can while you guys are cooped up in your houses and you know i say this every single week but i hope you guys are staying safe i hope you're staying healthy and uh you know we will get through this together Uh, we just got to practice that social distancing so uh before we get out of here jay um uh, what do we got for them coming up through the the jaguars wire site and then uh, let them know any way that they can uh, support the show. Yeah, we got loads of uh, draft content coming up, some stuff that uh, me and Daniel have discussed in terms of, you know, some different things that we've, uh, we haven't done in the past with the Jazz Wire in terms of concerning the draft. Uh, I even looked into maybe uh, getting the guys together, doing a hangout, a Google hangout for the Jazz Wire as well, and maybe getting Nick in there too to offer his expertise in the uh in, in in terms of prospects so yeah a lot of draft eccentric stuff or a lot of draft based stuff coming up for us pretty much because tomorrow uh it's actually what the 31st of march tomorrow will be april that'll be the month of the draft and uh as phil has always said we are off-season champs so in, in terms of how you can get connected with us and, and support the show uh, the best way aside from iTunes, as Phil has said, uh, patreon.com slash believe in the Jags. You can go check us out there. We have uh, at least three plans on there where you can contribute to us, whether it's the five, 10 or $15 package with some bonus content there. You can also, I've been forgetting to say this, but you also can feel free to send us your questions uh, to social media at sports underscore done and at Phil the Filipino for Phil feel free to ask us any question that you may want answered on the air. And uh, you can also email us questions at believe in the Jags at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail on Google voice 478-227-3907 is where you can do that. 
That's right, you guys. And I know the Believe Podcast Network just in general has some really cool ideas coming down the pipeline. We're going to get together with some other hosts, which we're really, really excited about. So keep an eye out for that. So uh, again, guys, this has been the Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Phil Smith. That's James Johnson. We believe. Do you? We will see you next time. 